Good evening and a very warm welcome to the PR Week Global Awards 2023. Winners tonight really represent where the industry is at and it's held in such high esteem. Taking the PR Week Global Award for Employee Communications. Winning the Healthcare Award. And the Public Sector winner is... Communications continues to develop. It feeds our curiosity, it opens up new possibilities. Their Issues and Crisis winner is... Corporate Social Responsibility Award goes to... Taking the Consumer Launch Trophy. Tonight's awards truly reflect our dynamic and rapidly evolving occupation, which is especially significant since the world needs us all more than ever. You know this is the biggest event in London in the last seven days, don't you? The creativity of the campaigns reflected the extensive tools and channels that are becoming more and more available to all of us. Citizen relations for Reclaim Your Name. Dr. Edelman. It's Suncock Group. It's Edelman for Sanofi. It's Prime Weber Shandwick for Happy Birthday from Earth. On behalf of all of the judges, I just want to say how impressed we were with the entries. Ogilvy PR UK. Edelman for Unilever. And Doug, hashtag, let her grow. Thank you so much to everyone who's travelled from all parts of the world to be with us tonight. It's a great celebration of global work, global teams, global individuals. And the award goes to... Welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the Editorial Director of PR Week and I guide you gently through another show on the road this week in London for the PR Week Global Awards. Yes, the big event in London in the last seven days. Don't worry about that coronation. The Global Awards are where it's at and I'm delighted to be here with our Chair of Jury, Aaron Radlett from Walgreens Boots. Alliance, who's going to chat to us about the awards and some of the winners and just general perceptions of, of the process. So, Aaron, welcome. Great to be here, Steve. We're doing this in person this time. I got to get used to actually sitting across the table from you and not looking at you on a screen. Yeah, it's uh, actually last year I got COVID, so I flew over for these awards and I spent the week <laughs> in a hotel. Danny Rogers, my UK counterpart, uh, had to step in. Thank you, Danny. Um, but you got here um, before the weekend. I think you were here for the coronation, right? What was the atmosphere like in London? It was really great to feel the excitement in the air and to walk around and see all the decorations and it made it extra special to be in London at this time. And I have to say, while that was certainly the most significant event, this is the second most significant event in London in recent Oh, come on, Aaron. <laughs> this is where it's at. And also gives you a chance to see your teams in London and Nottingham while you're in town. So um, exactly right. a nice opportunity to do that. But uh, as chair of jury, talk us through the general trends what did you see in the Global Awards? You're a regular jury member on the US Awards. So how is it different, the type of work that you see? And is there, was there anything different? And, and what does it say about where PR is as a profession globally? Yeah, I have to say, speaking on behalf of all the judges, we were very impressed with the submissions this year. I think what came across first and foremost, and I know you and I talked about this a little bit, is that this was a truly global awards. We were seeing submissions from all corners of the globe, from small, medium, large agencies, as well as organizations, and that we were seeing great work. And the great work came across in the creativity that they brought, in the technology they were using, because we have more channels and tools at our disposal than ever before. 
And also there was a heavy emphasis on trying to make a social impact and to take a cause and bring more focus to it. So there were a lot of other trends that we saw, but those are some of the ones that came out first and foremost. Yeah, it's a good point. You do get different perspectives. You do get different uh, creativity, definitely. It's a little bit like when you go to Cannes for the festival, you see work from countries that you wouldn't normally see, and it's fantastic. To, you can get a lot of inspiration from it, and yeah. um, it's some really terrific work. Let's yeah. talk about one or two of the big awards. So, Aaron, this is the moment. Please now reveal the deserving winner of PR Week's Global Campaign of the year. It's happy birthday from Earth for Haskarmala Group by Prime Weber Shanwick. The campaign of the year, to your point, came from Scandinavia. It was uh, Husqvarna Group, which is a big power tools manufacturer, and they worked with Prime Weber Shandwick on that. Prime was a, a, a Swedish agency that uh, Weber acquired a few years ago and Prime had been very successful at Cannes actually. I think that's where Weber may have come into contact with them. And uh, yeah, a lovely piece of work, wasn't it? It was called Happy Birthday from Earth. That's right. This campaign was truly out of this world because yeah, it was. they nice went work. as far as Mars to draw inspiration. But I have to say this is one where you truly say some creative minds came together and came up with something that wasn't there at the beginning of the day. This was something that had never been tried before and it was very successful. Yeah, the, uh, the concept was that uh, the, this uh, robot had been left on Mars and uh, poor thing, you know, from a <laughs> space travel and it had been there for, for 10 years. So Hustvana and Prime decided to wish it happy, happy birthday on its 10th anniversary and got all its robotic lawnmowers to start singing it happy birthday and it kind of went viral and uh, it was on brand as well because they're a power tool manufacturer so there was a link, it wasn't just a doing something uh, faddy just for the sake of it, was it? But it was a really nice idea and, and well executed. On August 5th, Husqvarna is launching a software update giving our robotic lawnmowers a voice to sing happy birthday to the loneliest robot in the universe. Again, this is one of those where, how did they come up with this? They <laughs> basically called the Mars rover the loneliest robot in the universe, and they wanted to give it a little extra love. And all 100,000 of their mowers started singing happy birthday to it in electronic tones on all of their mowers. And what I also liked is that they didn't just think of this and execute it the next day. They had to get the whole company behind this because their engineers obviously had to build it into the systems on the robots and it took months of planning and they pulled it off. Some would say when robots are potentially taking over the world, we're being a bit nice to these robots, aren't we, Aaron? It looks like the mowers are at least friendly, at least right now. They haven't come up against us. As long as they're singing to us, I think that's a good sign. Yeah, it was a great piece of work. And there were some other brilliant campaigns that you should check out on PRWeek.com. Really advise you to dig deep into the work. Lots of terrific stuff. So Steve will now reveal PR Week's 2023 Global Agency of the Year. It's Edelman. In terms of the PR agency front, that's always a very contested award. And the global agency of the year this year was Edelman. Now, that's interesting in the year that they became a $1 billion agency. And it was also their 70th anniversary in 2022. So I guess it was kind of um, fitting that they won. But uh, what was it that stood out for you about Edelman's performance over the past 12 months? Yeah, well, first of all, what stood out is that they had a lot of nominations and they had a lot of wins this year. 
And as you mentioned, they passed a significant milestone this year. And congratulations to Richard and the whole team. They're doing fantastic work. And it wasn't just out of one shop. It was clear that it was out of many of their offices. And so I think it's deserved that they were picking this one up. Yeah, they won uh, for best uh, PR pro in Latin America, to your point, and they won across other, other parts of the world too. So it was well deserved, both from a work and a performance point of view, and a very competitive award. And funnily enough, Edelman, I think that's the first time Edelman's won the Global Award so, uh, for Agency of the Year. So, you know, kudos to them, and maybe it was right that they won in their 70th year when they did finally break that $1 billion benchmark. And to be honest, that says a lot about the industry, doesn't it? Because there are many creative agencies that do that are as big as that. And it, it just speaks to where this agency has got to. We've just done our agency business report. You've got Weber Shamwick up there at 900 plus million. You've got some really big firms, which kind of reflects the global nature of the work and also how much in demand their services are. No question. And Edelman is a household name, not just amongst us communications pros, but They've done great things, especially with the Edelman Trust Barometer. I remember having a conversation with my CEO and mentioning some of the insights that came out of that report, and she was already well familiar with it. And it's talked about in boardrooms across many different companies. Yeah, it's a great piece of IP, a nice bit of new business uh, uh, assets there as well. And then finally, just for, for this conversation, let's talk about the in-house PR Pro of the Year. The PR Week Award for Global In-House Professional goes to... Michael Gonda. Someone you know well from Chicago. It's Michael Gonda, who's uh, at McDonald's. And uh, he's now, he got promoted actually um, recently to be SVP Chief Impact Officer. And in many ways, that speaks to where PR is at because chief communications officers are being promoted into business critical functions and really making a difference. And the, the days when you couldn't measure the what, you, what we were doing as a profession seem to have gone. Obviously, there are still at, around the fringes, you know, we, we still struggle with some parts of the profession. But I think the C-suite and CEOs now really recognize especially after COVID, the impact that this industry is making. There's no question about it. There's more chief communications officers that are reporting directly to CEOs. There's more chief communications officers that are part of executive teams. There's more people like, as you mentioned, Michael, who are able to expand their remit even beyond communications. So now that he has impact officer in his title, the only thing that I regret is that he's busier than ever. And even though he lives just down the street from me, I don't get a chance to see him as often as I would like. We've been trying to get dinner on the schedule for a while, but his job now runs across some communications areas, but also some other functional businesses within McDonald's. So congratulations to, Mike, to Michael. Yeah, very well deserved. And uh, congratulations to all the winners. Brilliant stuff and brilliant teams, brilliant individuals, brilliant work celebrated. As you pass on the baton to your successor for next year, what would you be looking for? Obviously, economically, in the US and globally, we're in a slightly more tough position. There's all the usual geopolitical stuff going on. We've still got war in Ukraine. We've got concerns around Taiwan and, and China. Um, what would you be looking for next year for this profession to, to continue moving to the next stage? Yeah, I think one of the key barometers that kept coming up for me is what makes me want to come back to my team and say, hey, we need to think like that. This is something that really gave me inspiration. You all are going to love this. So what really sets apart from all the other submissions, what jumps off the page, it becomes pretty clear as you read through everything what actually drives business results as well, because that's very clear. 
So I would say that those are some of our top check marks that we wanted to make sure that we got right this year, and I'm sure that will extend into next year. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being a great chair at Jury, really engaged, and it was great to work with you. Um, continued success yourself and at Walgreens. And uh, yeah, as I said, please check out all the winners because uh, you can learn from these case studies and it's a really rewarding process. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thrilled to be here, Steve, and appreciate the opportunity. And now let's go over to Frank Washcook and Diana Bradley to talk through some of the big news stories of the week in PR land back in New York City. Thanks for that intro, Steve, and we hope you had a great time in London at the PR Week Global Awards. So for the big news of this week, I'm joined by my terrific co-host, Diana Bradley. How are you, Diana? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. And thanks for joining us on this week's special Global Awards edition of the PR Week. So let's walk through some of the biggest marketing and communications news of the week so far. And that includes the latest on Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney. It's become a saga with um, new types of news breaking every week. What's the latest there? Yeah, it sure has become a saga. So The latest is that Bud Light has not split with the advertising agency responsible for its collaboration with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney, contrary to multiple reports. A spokesperson from Bud Light maker Anheuser-Busch told PR Week via email that there is no truth to this claim. Um, And this comes after late last week, the New York Post first reported that Anheuser-Busch told U.S. beer distributors it fired the third-party ad agency behind the Mulvaney partnership. So they're saying that is not true. A bit of a bizarre turn here, isn't it? Yes. So last August, Bud Light selected Anomaly as its creative AOR for its main Bud Light brand and the Martin Agency for its various line extensions, such as Bud Light Seltzer and Bud Light Next. So Anomaly told us that they continue to work with them. Um, The Martin Agency and Weber Shandwick also deferred to Bud Light for comment. And to be clear, Bud Light says they are they're continuing to work with all of the firms that they were working with. Yes. Well, they said there's no truth to the claim that no truth. They have fired the the agency that was behind. They have fired the agency behind this. And we we should be clear that the the original story um, in the New York Post, right? Yes. Did not um, did not make clear which agency we were talking about or whether it was really a, it referred to it as an ad agency, but whether it was a creative shop, a PR shop, even a media buying shop. So yeah, that um, was a little cloudy. So, so they left they a lot of mystery anything. about what happened, but said somebody had been fired, and Bud Light now says that's that's not true. Exactly. Yes. All right. Well, this is something we're going to continue to keep an eye on going forward. Tell us a little bit more about Berlin Rosen, the latest deal. They're buying up shops left and right. This is their fifth one in what? The past? In in 10 months. In 10 months. Okay. So what's the latest? Berlin Rosen Holdings has acquired technology and communications agency Inkhouse effective May 1st. Um, So Inkhouse will provide, Inkhouse provides communications for clients across technology, AI, healthcare, venture capital, climate tech, education, consumer and security. Um, Inkhouse will have immediate access to the expanded resources and talent of the Berlin Rosen Network, including advertising, public affairs, regulatory consulting, crisis management, digital marketing, content studio, DE&I, and influencer marketing. So quite the list. Um, yeah. And, and um, Inkhouse will continue to retain its brand. It will remain independent under its existing leadership. 
So that's um, that's Beth Monahan, who's a yes. um, she was one of the co-founders um, of Ink House, yeah, uh, and the current leader. And congrats to her on the deal. Uh, well-respected shop uh, out of Boston. Interesting, Berlin Rosen expanding their their geographic footprint a bit more into to New England. And um, I don't know if a couple of years ago you would identify Berlin Rosen as snapping up a technology shop. So it's uh, definitely broadening the number of things they can do for clients by, by that deal. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the, uh, the Stagwell Q1 earnings, because this is an important story because, you know, as everybody's looking for economic indicators, these are pointing in the opposite direction of the other holding companies. Yeah. Unfortunately, Stagwell posted a revenue decline in Q1 as its clients slowed spending, um, leading the holding company to actually restructure its workforce. Um, it generated $622 million in revenue in Q1, a decline of 3% year over year. Um, Q1 net revenue excluding costs represented $522 million, which was a decrease of 1% versus the prior year. Um, organic net revenue also declined by 3% year over year, driven by a slowdown in client spending and a reduced new business pipeline. Um, their performance media and research business grew 5% organically, um, while organic net revenue from the creativity and communication segment, which includes Allison and Partners and diversity communications, declined 3%. Um, so, and they've also eliminated more, more than 300 roles in Q1. Okay. Um, so that's, that is, um, a bit of an outlier in terms of where the holding companies are at, but something we will be keeping a close eye on. And a shameless plug, if you're interested in a lot more numbers that have to do with agency performance, you can check out our agency business report live on our homepage. You can see it through, sprinkled throughout our content through the rest of this year. It's a big package of explaining agency performance. It's the most comprehensive package in the whole industry. Uh, and you can find it all over PRWeekUS.com. Okay. We want to end on a, a more fun note than that. So let's <laughs> let's talk about a unique appointment uh, at Jack in the Box, the, the burger sure. chain. Sure. So, which I've never been to, believe it or not. I think I went there once and I got like a little like Jack in the Box mascot head mm. that you could like put on like a car antenna. That's all I remember about it. But right. apparently it's very popular. Not a, so. not a ringing endorsement of their hamburgers. <laughs> I don't remember much about the food, but... Fair enough, fair yes. enough. Okay, um, <laughs> tell us about a fun... Uh, this, uh, credit to them on this. This is a, this is a no pun intended, out of the box uh, oh, appointment. Very <laughs> wow, good. Um, <laughs> okay, so we actually reported on the fact that they had hosted a casting call yeah. for this back in October. So October 3rd through 10th, they, they were looking for somebody to fill this position of their head Twitch creator. And they have just now named the person. Um, so for they that have position. done their due diligence on the. They the really Twitch have. Creator. They've yeah. been combing through hundreds of applications since October, um, and they've settled on a guy named Cody Turner to fill the position. Um, this is a full-time role. He will fill. He'll, he'll represent the brand on Twitch via its new virtual avatar, Gamer Jack. 
Um, and to celebrate the new gig, Gamer Jack will stream from his channel with other rising creators and challenging gamers for a chance to win Jack in the Box mystery boxes filled with swag and Jack rewards. You know, I thought one thing that was interesting about this was how he uh, talked about working with this. And this is a term you just use, rising creators um, and other folks who are kind of on the way up. Right. And and that seems smart to me, not just in terms of, um, you know, bringing the next generation up, uh, but also in terms of outreach to um, the young group of consumers that Jack in the Box wants to reach. So I, th- I think kudos to them on this. It sounds like an interesting partnership. Yeah. How long are they going to work together for? Is this, does uh, it run for like a year or two or anything like that? Um, so at the moment, it just says that Turner will get annual compensation and a stipend to purchase state-of-the-art gaming setup makeover. Quite the life. Um, yeah. So Good I'm not him. sure how long this will run for or if they'll eventually like pick a different person and you know, I guess that they're going to see how this goes and how much it brings to the brand. But. We will keep an eye on it. And w- as well as the other brands that mm-hmm. are, um, I think our readers probably know since uh, our colleague Brandon Dora has been on board, we've been covering a lot more gaming. So this is the sort of thing we're going to touch base on how brands are using this to reach young consumers uh, and, and even some gamers who are not so young, too. And I also want to note that um, the agencies supporting this campaign include uh, Small Girls PR, which you can read their uh, upcoming uh, up-and-comer segment in our agency business report. There's a whole profile on their firm. And uh, marketing firm Zoned Gaming also supported this campaign. Okay. And you can check out the Small Girls PR profile as part of the agency business report package on the PR Week homepage. Okay, folks, that's about all the time we have for this week's podcast. We will see you again next week on the next edition of the PR Week. 